On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Becca, and she's got a brand new single out called Top Priority, a really great video that I've been enjoying watching on YouTube. We're going to talk about that, hopefully some influences from Goodyear, Arizona, and much more. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Hey, now I know you're from Arizona, but you're also, I mean, are both your parents from Nigeria? Yeah, both of them immigrated um, from Nigeria. So I'm a first generation um, Nigerian American. Oh, okay. And I know your your sound has has a blend of both, I'd say classic R&B, but also Afro fusion, you know, really alternative rhythms. You know, where did you get your musical influences? Um, so early on in my music career, I was mainly doing R&B. And I got those influences um, from like Janet Jackson, Madonna, Mariah Carey, and Alicia Keys to name a few. But then as I got older and started understanding my culture more, I had more of an appreciation for it. And so I decided I wanted to blend the two and kind of create my own sound and forge my own path. Mm -hmm. Well, I love the beat and, and the overall groove of top priority. Um, how would you describe the style of, of that? Yeah, so it's really a self-love anthem. Um, it's a perfect blend of R&B and Afrobeat. So um, what I really wanted to capture in the song was just confidence and just like in a fierce way. Um, and I think I depicted that pretty well in the video. Um, the video goes perfectly with the song because everything that I'm talking about in the song, I'm actually like acting out in the video. and the video and also the song too, like the lyrics, it's kind of like a reminder to myself, like a letter to myself, like I come first, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's a message that young women need to hear more of nowadays? Yes, and not even just young women. I think everybody needs to hear that more nowadays um, because sometimes we get so caught up in uh, wanting to take care of other people's needs ahead of our own and I myself, I'm guilty of it, especially being of a Nigerian culture where we're like kind of taught to say yes to everything and everyone. Um, it's important to make sure that you're putting yourself first and putting your needs first. Um, so I think it's just like a gentle reminder, not just for young women, but also for everyone as a whole. Mm -hmm. Well, what was it like growing up in Arizona? Was there a lot of music in your life from an early age? So Arizona specifically, not at all. <laughs> it was really <laughs> dry and boring, like growing up. This was before all of the um, new improvements in construction were put in place like 20 years ago. Um, but I would say like a significant influence on my music career was my dad. Um, he immigrated here from Nigeria when he was like a little kid. He was five years old and um, he grew up in Chicago. So he had a lot of um, influence, like especially like with like Motown music. So he kind of influenced that on my career. And um, I grew up listening to oldies, jazz, soft rock, rap, R&B, like you name it. And so I would say that um, mainly the musical interest that I developed and the taste that I had was from my dad growing up. Nice. You know, one thing I liked reading about on your website you said back in 2003, you went to an event called the Disco Ball, and that really made you interested in becoming a performer. 
Yes. So it was actually a TV show. Very funny story. Um, like growing up, we didn't have cable. <laughs> My parents didn't believe in uh, even having us watch TV. So um, there was one night where it was raining and it was family night and we were just looking for something to watch, but most of the channels were not working. So um, on ABC, like the one channel that was working, there was a TV program called The Disco Ball. And there were several like new age artists like Jesse McCartney, um, as well as Usher and um, Casey and the Sunshine Band. They were just doing different uh, renditions of disco songs. And so um, I knew like a lot of the songs they were performing and I was like, that's so awesome. Like that's, I think the most memorable experience of music that I had growing up. I was just five years old. And from that moment, I just knew I was like, I want to do that. There's something so joyful about the classic disco sound. Yes, very energetic, very lively. And it just makes you want to like get up and groove. Right. Well, I hear Wind and Fire song, Let's Groove. <laughs> Which I could remember, I could reference a lot of these because I grew up during a lot of that. But a lot yeah. of this was before you were born. But I love how you're embracing stuff like Motown, classic jazz, and R&B. Do you, do you find a lot of people your age are as familiar with all this? Um, honestly, a lot of people my age, I would say that they're not as familiar with like my taste in music. Um, but like when it comes to like 90s and beyond, that's kind of like where they identify with or what they identify with. Um, but for me, I always say that I feel like I was born in the wrong era because I enjoy oldies music a lot more than music of today. And really what I want to do as a musical artist is capture that sound and kind of create something nostalgic with also a new twist. Mm hmm. Well, you put out your first mixtape in 2016 called Looks, the yes. on SoundCloud, and then was it next year, what, 2017, you put out your first single? Yes. So 2016, um, I, I had gotten the idea to just put out a mixtape after Drake released his album Views, and... Um, it was like heavily influenced by that. I used like his instrumentals and that's why I had released it as a mixtape. But then the year after, um, I was like, I could be making money off of this. Like I'm actually pretty good. So I had um, met up with um, one connect that I had found um, back when I was in college. And um, I was able to record my first single and then he helped me get it mixed and mastered and licensed and all that stuff. And that was how my first single was born. And from there, I've been releasing consistently every single year. Right. And I know you've done, you know, besides the singles, several EPs. Uh, one thing that was pretty notable, um, I think it was in 2021, you actually uh, worked with a Nigerian artist. Yes. His name is Latan. Okay. And how did that all come about? Yeah, so um, there is a very notable producer um, in Nigeria. His name is Spells. Um, he's produced music for Wizkid, Tiwa Savage, um, and the likes. And so um, in 2019, I had um, gone back home to Nigeria for Christmas, and um, I recorded 
two singles with spells. Um, and then from there, he was able to put me in contact with Zlatan. He goes by Zlatan or Zlatan Ibile, very big on the Nigerian scene. Um, and from there, I was able to um, make a remix of my single logo with him. Um, and we're still planning on shooting a video, but it was a very wonderful opportunity and very exciting. That was my first um, like real collaboration with a notable artist, and I intend to do plenty more in the future. Mm -hmm. When something like that happens, do you think it really raises the bar for you? Honestly, yes, and not just because of the notoriety that the artist brings, but because of the sound that we were able to create. He's very um, traditional in his sound. Um, like he speaks our language, Yoruba, very fluently. And for me, like um, I would say I'm, I'm not even a fluent speaker of Yoruba. It was very interesting to hear how our sounds were able to connect and make something magical. So I feel like raising the bar for me is just um, getting two different sounds and combining them to make something beautiful. Mm -hmm. Now, also to blow your horn a little bit, uh, you <laughs> opened for some pretty cool people and you also, you you did something, uh, show your proof, which led to you performing at, at Made in America. Uh, what was yes. That about? Okay, so that was a dream come true. Last year, um, there was a contest that Music Breaker in collaboration with uh, Proofpoint Seltzers had put on. Um, and basically you had to enter a music video and then like use a hashtag. And then from there, judges were going to decide which videos they liked best. And then the top, I wanna say it was top eight videos that were chosen were put on a website. And then from there, people were voting on them. And then afterwards, I think the top three, the judges chose between the videos based on like style, lyricism, et cetera. So um, I literally had all of my guns out. I was making sure like, I was telling strangers like, vote for me, I'm in this contest. Like that's how serious mm -hmm. I really wanted to win. And so I ultimately ended up winning. They flew me out to Philly last year uh, during Labor Day. And um, I, I opened for so many different artists. I touched the same stage as Megan Thee Stallion and Roddy Rich did um, when I attended Made in America in 2019. So just like knowing like how far I had come, like being um, someone in the audience to now someone on the stage, it was such an incredible experience. And then I also was um, given a distribution deal with Equity Distribution. Um, so I would say that was such a game changer for my career. Um, it really kind of solidified my confidence in my craft and just helped me keep moving forward and keep pressing on toward the mark. Mm -hmm. What does it feel like when you're performing at that level? Honestly, it feels surreal. Um, there's a documentary of it on YouTube. And um, I remember a specific part. I actually remember this personally, um, but I was looking back at it in the video. I was like, Thank you guys, but like, it sounded like I was like super bubbly and giddy, but I actually was super emotional in my throat. Like, I felt like I was about to cry because I was like, oh my gosh, this is real. I'm actually performing at Made in America. And I, I knew in my heart that it was the first of many um, notable performances. Um, so just the feeling of being on that stage and having that 
that's presence in front of thousands of people was an amazing feeling that I never want to lose sight of. Mm -hmm. And on your website, you say that you make music for feeling, dancing, and healing. Yes. And so I know you've, uh, yeah, and I, and I know you've shared a lot of just your personal stories and people have really connected with you. You know, you talked about things like mental health. Yes. You know, what's that like, you know, to be so open and to have fans identify with you and you be almost like, you know, this mouthpiece for them to say, hey, uh, you're talking about this. You know, this is what matters to me. Yeah, honestly, it's very fulfilling. Um, from a young age, I used to journal a lot um, and write poetry. And that was kind of my escape. So now being a, um, an artist, a musical artist, I've realized that I'm able to put those emotions, those raw feelings into my craft, not only to process my own pain and um, overcome it, but also to help others. I realized that I don't just make music to entertain people. Um, I make music to be heard and so that others feel heard as well. So when I make like certain music, like about mental health, depression, anxiety, PTSD, I know that I'm not just making that song for myself, but for others as well. And what's been some of the best feedback you've gotten because of that? People have been super like just overjoyed with the fact that I've been super transparent in my music. They've uh, personally, like um, the EP that I released in 2020 titled Rape, um, I got so much good feedback from it. And I was really nervous to release it because I was like, people don't talk about this like rarely and especially not in music. And so the feedback that I received was, I can identify with this. I feel heard, I feel understood, I feel seen. And that was my goal. So whenever I make these relatable songs, I always um, receive the feedback of being heard and, and feeling seen. So it's really fulfilling and, and a really great feeling for me. There's so many people out there talking about so many issues and there really is a lot of information, but what is it about music that can cut through in a way that just talking about it can't? Um, there's a specific quote that I love. It says, where words fail, music speaks. And I feel like, yes, listening to people speak about tough topics is therapeutic at times, but like songs have the power to really penetrate deep into your soul, into your psyche. Like you can probably remember a song from when you were a little kid, you know, songs are things that we go back to. Songs are how we build community. Songs are how we express ourselves, you know? And I feel like for me personally, it's always easier for me to talk about tough things in music rather than speaking about it um, just in words. Um, so to answer your question, I think music is just something that like, even from the day we're born, like lullabies, they just bring us comfort they have the power to really impact our emotions, either positively or negatively. Mm -hmm. And I've heard people say when you talk about an experience and then want to write about it, some people say if you write about it too close to the event, it's still too raw. 
like you need a little distance to really look at it objectively like how much time and distance do you need before you can write about something yeah that's a great question um for me i typically like i'll think about it over and over and over again before i actually write it down um there are some times where i'll just like write and do a brain dump but um like you're like you've stated typically i need time to process it before i can even write it down and then like it's such an emotional process for me because i'll write about it cry about it think about it like heavily you know like and it's just on my mind and it's kind of like brewing but then when it comes time to actually translate those feelings into lyrics i'm able to look at it more objectively and say wow like this happened to me but now i feel comfortable enough to actually put it into a song like specifically um division the ep that i uh, the initial ep that i released um i was talking a lot about like mental health suicide um a lot of things that i had been feeling since i was a teenager and i released that when i was 20 so like that was like 5 years worth of trauma that i had kind of kept bottled up and that i felt finally comfortable to express in my music mhm mm and in your songwriting how has that evolved for you over the years um so i would use like division as an example division and then my second ep rate um in division i kind of was like pretty ambiguous and kind of vague um because i felt like i was like hiding um in the lyrics and i also didn't want people to know like too in depth what i had been dealing with but then as years progressed um and i was able to find like more freedom in my lyrics i realized that i could be my true authentic self in my lyrics um so i stopped trying to like hide because i realized i was trying to hide for other people and not myself and when i released rape i was like yeah people are either going to love this or they're going to hate it but then after a while i just stopped caring i was like this is my story and i'm going to tell my story because i know that it can help and impact others so to answer your question the way my songwriting has evolved is i've become so much more open and so much more accepting of my different experiences throughout my life mhm mm well it also seems like you're very thematic like ep by ep they're not just a collection of singles it seems like each one has a, a a separate theme to it yes you are absolutely right so your next ep which you were telling me earlier uh hopefully we'll drop right around valentine's day coming up yeah uh, it's not going to have maybe a romantic theme to it or an ironically an romantic theme uh is there any connection with valentine's day there yeah i guess you could say it's kind of ironically romantic because it goes from talking about outer romance with others to inner romance with self So um what I really wanted to capture in my EP which the title will be Love Becca is to is initially I I wanted other people to love me. So I did whatever it took, you know, which meant like not putting myself and my needs first. And then from there I was able to find self-worth, self-confidence and ultimately self-love. So it's the journey of self-love to me. And my birthday is actually around Valentine's Day. 
So I feel like it's kind of like the connection between like me loving me and then um, me, I guess, or other people loving me. Mm -hmm. Well, another thing you're really open about is, you know, your religious faith, your faith in God. And yeah. how, how, how does that manifest in your music? So I talk about God in a lot of my music. Um, I don't make like specific gospel genre music, but I do talk about how God has helped me overcome like depression, anxiety, um, how I've been healed. And specifically, like before every single performance, I just say a little prayer um, because I know like none of this could be possible without God. Um, as long as God has his hand in my music career, like I'll always be successful. So I always make sure to acknowledge um, like his presence and his grace upon my career. And then um, I also like to talk about like, like struggles that I have with my faith. Like I, I wrote a song a little bit ago, it's, it's unreleased, but it's basically saying don't grow weary because sometimes I feel like if I fall, like that's it. And I feel like I have to stay down, but like I'm constantly renewed, like by reading my Bible and praying and, and I'm reminded to get back up, you know, because sometimes as humans, it's easy to just fall and give up. But God helps me remember that I'm like, obviously I'm destined to fail as a human, but I can still rise above it and get up. Mm -hmm. Is it hard to maintain that in the music industry? And, you know, you, you hear so many stories of, you know, once you get into the music of business, it's just it's so different. It's not just making the music, but there's so many hoops to jump through. And and it just seems like a lot of times people get, um, I don't know, they get to a point where they think, wow, what do I have to sacrifice to make it Honestly. in this industry? Yeah, sometimes it does feel like I have to make compromises. Um, and honestly, I would say like, for me, my faith is super important, but also my individuality is. And I've heard like some feedback, uh, like from Christians um, saying like, oh, well, like, why are you dressing like this if you're a Christian? But for me, it's not really about like that outward appearance, but that personal relationship I have with God. So I feel like it's, it's easier for me to navigate with that mindset rather than feeling like I have to be perfect because I'm a Christian. Because like, honestly, no Christian is perfect. Nobody is perfect. And that's the point of Christianity is, is to let God take over um, like our sins and transgressions with his, um, his grace and his salvation. So I always try to keep that in the back of my mind. Like if I make a mistake, um, I know that like, I'm not condemned, but I just need to pray for repentance. And like, it's, it's hard navigating sometimes because um, I might be asked to do something that I know is wrong, but I try to stick to my morals and my faith. Mm -hmm. And you're still pretty young in this musical journey. I mean, can you picture, you know, 20, 30 years from now where, where you may, may be? Yeah, like you mean spiritually, professionally, or just in general? I would say all of it, and especially, you know, if you're thinking of faith, just on faith thinking, you know what, I'm not sure where this is going, but I'm going to continue on this path and see where it goes. Yeah, so honestly, in the next 20 years, I'll be how old, like in my 40s, 
I see myself still making music, selling out shows, maybe have like a residency somewhere. Um, music has always been my passion and I intend to use it to the greater good, not just to be rich, not just to be famous, but to spread a message, God's message. I honestly feel like that's my purpose um, because I mean, I've always considered myself to be like very well-spoken and I feel like I'm an even better singer. So I feel like I can share like the gospel in my music and it doesn't necessarily have to be in gospel form, you know, it, as long as it encourages and comforts and inspires people, I feel like that's my purpose and that I'm fulfilling that purpose. So in the next 20 years, I see myself being a Grammy award-winning artist, um, world-renowned, and just helping other people like young, like myself in that time, um, grow and flourish in their careers as well. Well, you have a motto on your website, and that is encourage everyone everywhere. Yes. And that seems to really be in line with all your values that you've been talking about. Yes. I like I feel like that's all I, I can even do, you know, because sometimes I can't change someone's situation. And I'm a very empathetic person, deeply compassionate um, but I feel like if I can at least encourage someone, then I've done my part. So that's a motto I try, I strive to live by in every single aspect of my life, not just my music. I love encouraging people. Well, I want everyone to know where they can find you online and learn more about your music. So uh, what is your favorite social media for people to go to? My favorite social media is Instagram. And my username is GB3KE. It's like Beckett, but with a three instead of an E in the middle. Excellent. Well, I want to give you the last word here. Uh, what are your hopes for Top Priority in the upcoming EP? Yeah, so really, I just want this to go worldwide. I want more people to know the name Beckett and to feel encouraged and inspired by the message that my song conveys as well as my EP. I really want to like make a really big splash in the sea of the music industry. So I'm just gonna keep pushing and believing that it's gonna happen.